you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. For one thing for anyone going through that right now is it is such a gift to have that struggle. And... I look back on that time of struggle and it truly was struggle and depression. There was depression and and mixed in there when you're not feeling fulfilled. It can be very depressing and frustrating and low self-esteem, all the things. And because Chris and I leaned into that struggle and we investigated it, there was something really amazing on the other side. Hi there, I'm Lori McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa. And you're listening to season two of The Females a podcast that deep dives into the world of women, work, and what it takes to build a successful and fulfilling career on your terms. This season will focus on disruption. From disrupting industries to old narratives and definitions of success, and even disrupting new ways of thinking. Today's interview is Sadie Lincoln, the founder of Bar 3, a boutique fitness studio offering full-body workouts focused on micro-movements and sustained holds. Since 2008, Sadie's been disrupting the fitness industry by putting community before company, always. And she comes by that love for community honestly. Sadie's childhood was anything but typical. She was born in an adobe in New Mexico without any electricity to her mother, who, along with her four best friends, band together to create a village to support their children around their common core values. They intentionally broke the nuclear family mold. As single mothers, they figured out a practical and rewarding new way to raise their children together. Eventually, the four mothers and their children put down roots in Eugene, Oregon. And that's where Sadie says that her aunties and her siblings built their life. As Sadie puts it, life was about just being, not achieving. And one more fun fact about Sadie's family is that her brother, Miguel, is the co-founder of WeWork. So how did Sadie go from Eugene, Oregon to running one of the fastest growing boutique bar studios? Well, first she went the traditional route, and then she listened to her intuition. Let's dive in to see how Sadie made the transition from corporate life to disrupting the wildly popular bar movement. One thing that she thinks is incredibly important for building confidence and how her definitions of success are a constant work in progress. And now, this is The Females. All right, Sadie, let's start with your unique childhood. Tell us about it and kind of the unconventional childhood that you had. Sure. Well, for me, I guess it is unconventional for a lot of people, but of course, for me, it was my normal. Right. (laughs) Um, My mom met what ended up becoming her best friends for life in the 60s. And they were sort of experimenting like a lot of people during that time of counterculture, new ways of living and experiencing life. And for them, they were really connected by their love of union psychology and studying that together and studying dreams together, being in touch with nature um, with an intellectual curiosity. And they ended up basically each having a child and the dads were not in the picture. The dads ended up for one reason or another leaving and they basically raised us kids collaboratively. Wow. And we weren't in a commune, but my mom always likes to mention that because (laughs) there are a lot of associations with communes. It was just more of a collaborative village 
really shared responsibilities so that they could afford to have a lifestyle that was counter to what mainstream was doing. Mm -hmm. What did they do for a living? Well, it depends what stage, like in the early years in Taos, my mom worked in a bookstore and, you know, they do kind of odd jobs, but really what they did for a living was just be, not achieve. We, my mom said that they used to, they were really crafty, resourceful about food. For example, we would garden, but they would also go behind supermarkets and pick the imperfect produce out of the bins that, you know, they didn't want to sell. And that's what we would eat. We lived very, very minimally. Uh, one of the places we, in fact, the place I was born in was an Adobe without electricity. Wow. So they, yeah, it was less about doing and getting somewhere and more about just really being super present and parenting, you know, was a definite like center of what they did is raising us kids. Mm-hmm. And we ended up all moving to Eugene. We were in Taos, New Mexico, and then we all moved to Eugene, Oregon, and that's where they all still live. Mm-hmm. And uh, us kids have kind of gone our separate ways, but we still get together on holidays and stay really, really close. I consider those other kids, my my siblings, my brothers and sisters, and th- the women, my aunties, and yeah. Wow, that's that's special. Did you, when you were a kid, did you enjoy it? Did you think like, I have the coolest family? Or were you like the complete opposite where you're like, I just want to be normal? Because I feel like you have two extremes usually when you're a kid. <laughs> well, family I always loved and admired. And the thing I was more kind of embarrassed about was our financial position, <laughs> <laughs> like our shitty little rental houses and cars and that always threatened to break down in front of school. And my mom's <laughs> like back then, not cool outfit, which is now super chic, you right, know, wearing Birkenstocks sure. <laughs> and socks up to her knees. And, you know, that whole kind of alternative lifestyle in the eighties, I just wanted to be like, a middle-class normal kid who could eat Oreo cookies and Skippy peanut butter sandwiches. And, you know, just, (laughs) I ended up becoming a cheerleader and I, I did a lot of normal activities and my, I, in the early years, I, I was really attracted to friends who had a nuclear traditional home life. Interesting. It's uh, it's 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 just fascinating how you had something really unique and special and you were looking at what other kids had and, you know, it's, it, it's just interesting how kids sort of do that. I mean, I know this is like much smaller, but like I had really, really curly hair as a kid. So of course you always want, you know, the really straight hair, right. you yeah. know, it's just sort of funny how like whatever, whatever you see your friends have, it's like, that's what you gravitate toward. Um, I, I know that you eventually left Eugene and you came down to LA um, and you eventually kind of fell in love with the power of group exercise. Can you tell us kind of briefly how that transition happened? Yeah, I fell into group exercise. Well, I really started doing group exercise when I think about it in high school in Eugene. And I just loved the energy of it. It was fun. And when I moved to LA, I was really lonely. And I'm I'm so now thankful that I went through that. But I was deeply, deeply lonely. I didn't um, go to school right away. I was on my own. And ended up enrolling in a city college, but I just did not have a tribe around me. I didn't have connection. And I discovered this group exercise class that just was, would just fill me. It was so vibrant, so exhilarating for us to all be together in a room with amazing music, just um, basically jumping around (laughs) high low back then. (laughs) And that just, that that feeling of being a part of something and moving my body and music and all of us doing something together just captured me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up transferring into UCLA and went right to the rec center and started teaching group exercise classes there. And from there, I started to teach teachers to teach. And that was my, basically my extracurricular activity as I went through school. Mm-hmm. And you got a job at 24 hour fitness, which I'm sure felt like you had found your perfect fit, right? Yes. And no, that was after grad school. And I did land a job with 24 hour fitness. Honestly, the main reason I wanted to work at 24 hour fitness is that it afforded me to live in San Francisco, which mm-hmm. was my dream city. <laughs> and hang hey, out that's with a my good girlfriend. reason. <laughs> yeah. 
And I thought, but it was, it was perfect because it was a fitness company. And my first job was managing group exercise mm-hmm. for multi-unit operations. So I had 20, maybe 21 gyms. I was responsible for all the group exercise programming. And I thought I'd stay there for a couple of years and move on kind of thing. And I ended up staying there 11 years. Wow. That's, uh, you know, for someone who was thinking one year, 11 years, did, did it fly by? Were you like constantly just giving new challenges? I mean, to stay anywhere for 11 years is, I would say, a lot in today's working world. And it was back then too, because this was during the booming dot-com era in the late 90s mm-hmm. when people were kind of entitled and getting crazy jobs and amazing stock options and making out. And I really hunkered down at 24 Fitness. For one thing, the um, founder and CEO, Mark Mastroff, really, we connected really well and he brought me under his wing. And just about every two years, my job changed so dynamically that it felt like a whole nother career. And we started with 20, I think around 24 gems. And by the time I left, we had 430. Wow. And a lot of that was global. It, plus, I helped him with special projects with his own portfolio of fitness beyond 24-hour fitness, including gems in Russia, Spain. Um, we looked at Kuala Lumpur at one point. So that was really exciting to be able to understand how to scale fitness, really understand all the different aspects of fitness from sales to marketing to branding and communications to scaling group exercise to personal training, you know, all the different Mm -hmm. things in different countries. Wow. Was kept, definitely kept my attention. Yeah. And looking back, I'm sure now you're like, wow, what a great education for what I do now. Um, because you got to learn all the facets of the business and opening up, as you said, branding, everything like that, which is really incredible. Yeah. And sitting and he, he would bring me into rooms with amazing consultants from like Bain Consulting. And I'd learn all about a case study about Starbucks or Mm -hmm. I'd learn. So I was constantly taking inventory of these lessons and ideas and understanding the fitness landscape. And I was also constantly questioning if fitness was really working Mm. or why it wasn't working for me personally. I, I was excited to be a part of the business And I was excited to be a part of our tremendous growth, but I wasn't personally connecting with it. And that always made me wonder, you know, why Mm -hmm. am I not personally connected with this? If this was always my passion to be in group exercise or to be in fitness, but for some reason it's not fulfilling. Right. I actually think a lot of women, you know, whether it's group fitness or not, I think a lot of women face that question when they, um, as you said, like, I always wanted to be in group fitness. Now I'm in group fitness or like the person who always wanted to be the investment banker who's now in the corner office when your ambition and like your fulfillment somehow aren't speaking the same language. I think it does make people like stop in their tracks and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I had this all figured out (laughs) and why is this not adding up, which is actually a great segue to my next question, which is, I know you, you were obviously climbing the ladder at 24 hour fitness and, and really, as you just mentioned on paper and, you know, from what you had planned, everything looks amazing. I I know you and your husband had bought a home in the Bay area, which is like huge kudos to you. I mean, was that like, (laughs) was that like the most amazing moment to just be like, I own a home in the Bay area, especially for someone who was embarrassed of like the crappy apartments. I mean, what did that feel like? Well, first of all, I own a home. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like being such a gypsy as a kid and mostly having rentals and, and I own a home in the Bay area in the Oakland Hills with a view of the Bay bridge. And, um, granted it was like a mid century, needed a lot of work, run down house, but it was still our home. And yeah, that was a huge sense of we arrived, we did it. Right. So you're having all this, all this all sounds really great. You've got your kids, but you know, from what I read is like, you're, you're basically having this internal conversation and you and your husband are sort of both having it. Can you explain sort of what's happening at this moment of like success, but also like questioning kind of things? Yeah. The first question is what is success? Is this our definition of success? Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't our definition of success. I, and I think the more I think about it, there's so many analogies to why I'm doing what I'm doing. And they almost all center around being attached to an ideal Mm. and an ideal is really a mindset and it's not achievable. Right. And high performers such as myself, I always used to, and I still do, it's a practice to not do this, but measure my worth and my success 
against that ideal mm-hmm. versus against my actuals, what's happening in the moment. That's so and, awesome. and my values. And Chris and I were lonely. We didn't feel a sense of community or belonging. So that was one thing that was missing. We had these two beautiful children back to back and we wanted to spend more quality time with them. We wanted to be in nature with them more versus in our cars commuting. Right. And our work life was not fulfilling. The way we were treated, the management structure, sort of working for the man (laughs) was just not working. Right. And it was soul sucking, honestly. And then the, actually the industry, which I'll just say right now, I have mad respect, mad respect for 24 hour fitness Mm -hmm. and specifically Mark Masteroff, who is still one of my dearest friends and advisors. And, and we did not feel a part of that industry. We did, it didn't match our values. Mm -hmm. It didn't fill us up to go to the gym. Right. And that that was our business. And it became important to us in that moment for that to be aligned. Whereas for a long time there, it was just like a school of edu- It was an education for us. It was fun. We were, we were there for different reasons. But at that stage in our life, it's like, no, let's, let's make our work, our life's work, right. something that makes us get up in the morning and feel spiritually connected and mm-hmm. alive and centered. And those kinds of philosophical conversations is what led us to breaking out and starting bar three. Yeah. I was going to ask like, so how does bar three come into play to these conversations? Cause I actually would imagine there's probably quite a few people listening who are having those type of conversations. So now they're like, okay, what, what actually comes out of it? Which I know they all can't create bar three, but like, how did you guys go from those conversations to the taking action? And, um, if you can walk us through that, that would be great. For one thing for anyone going through that right now is it is such a gift to have that struggle. And I look back on that time of struggle and it truly was struggle and depression. Mm -hmm. There was depression and and mixed in there when you're not feeling fulfilled. It can be very depressing and frustrating and low self-esteem, all the things. And because Chris and I leaned into that struggle and we investigated it, there was something really amazing on the other side. And had we kept pushing it away and trying to fulfill our lives in some other way, we wouldn't have had this amazing ride and mm-hmm. opportunity. Mm-hmm. So there's something to be said about just embracing the struggle, being okay with it, with the, you know, knowing that you're going to get to the other side. And yeah, so our, our other side, we decided to sell our house in the Bay area. We moved to Portland for one thing. I was studying the boutique industry mm-hmm. and feeling better in boutique concepts, yoga classes specifically were just, there was a sense of warmth and community and connectedness that mm-hmm. was different than an all under one roof concept, which is the big box right, concept, which right. had amazing group exercise, but it just didn't feel as intimate or community centered. Right. And I was starting to think over and over again, what if we built a, built a community and we let go of company? Mm-hmm. So community, not company. That was our first like important thing. And remember, we were really lonely too. So that was like <laughs> so at the deal. core <laughs> of what we wanted. I'm like, let's just build a business where we attract rad friends. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that uh, makes sense. <laughs> it's like I joined a sorority in college mostly because I didn't have any friends. So I totally resonate with that thought process. Totally. And you know what? What I have realized over and over and over and over again is relationships, healthy relationships, inspiring relationships are just as healthy as exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're just, in fact, it's probably more important than exercise. And so let's start there. Let's start with how do we treat each other, you know, um, and investigate relationship and connection and community. And then we, we, you know, we're modeling the group exercise model, which, which pencils, um, and more and more people were proving it out. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed bar classes and I taught at the daily method for about six months and really enjoyed that process. And I thought, you know what, there's some things about this boutique concept and, and bar and bar specifically where I really want to turn up the volume mm-hmm. and do it in a different way. And so, you know, we did our business plan. We wrote a 50 page business plan. We really thought it through. We had all this experience in marketing and branding. So we, it was really fun to be able to do all of that on our own and have a decision-making committee of two. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I bet that felt liberating. great. Yeah. That's totally over, by the way. Now that I'm a big company, I'm back to like a lot of people have to agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're like the nostalgia of those days. Let me just have a moment with that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and being able to innovate nimbly and move quickly. All the things mm-hmm. as entrepreneur starters like love and be able to operate off script, but Mm -hmm. I've made peace with that. Yeah. So let me recap just to make sure I'm getting the timeline right. So you guys sell your house in the Bay Area. You moved to Portland. Was that because cheaper cost of living or was there a specific reason for Portland? Yeah. Family values, Mm -hmm. nature, community. We love the aesthetic here, the attention to design and beauty and uh, also at zero competition. So we could shut out all the noise and look inside for answers. That's really, really fascinating. So you moved to Portland, you are teaching group classes, you're getting really interested in the boutique fitness, you know, uh, trend and the community aspect of it. So now you have written the business plan for bar three. And I would assume next step is you open your first studio. Yes. And we, I did a pop-up at a, it was Wild Oats at the time. It's now Whole Foods. I I taught community classes to kind of seed the market as we were building our studio. And then our first studio is in the Pearl District here in Portland. It's a beautiful location with a teak boardwalk and a park outside and big windows. And um, we put a little child care center in the lobby because we had little kids at the time and that really caught on. People love that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And we just started with that one studio and it was It was an instant success. Hey there, let's take a quick break from today's show so I can tell you about Rothy's shoes. Are you ready to discover the most comfortable flat you can wear all day for any occasion? Seriously, Rothy's shoes do not require any breaking in time before you can enjoy their insanely comfortable and stylish shoes. I recently heard of Rothy's while I was riding the elevator with a super stylish colleague and immediately ordered a pair of sneakers in camo gray and flats in black solid. I wear my Rothy's to work, to dinners out, and even the occasional power walk with a friend. Rothy's also has numerous color and pattern selection. The lineup is always being updated. Next on my list is the point style in leopard print. I've also been doing that annoying thing where anytime someone tells me that they like my shoes, I give them the full Rothy story. Comfortable, stylish, and they can be washed. Yes, machine washing is a game changer. It means that you will never have to worry about replacing your flats too soon or anything like that. Bonus points that Rothy's also makes them from recycled plastic water bottles, which I know might sound like they would make the shoes crunchy, but they're actually really, really soft. Hence, again, you don't have to break them in. See, I told you I'd give you the full story. Bottom line, I love my Rothy's and I know you will too. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for you listeners. You can use the code FEMALS, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, to get free shipping with no minimum charge. So you get free shipping and free returns exchanges on your Rothy's shoes, and trust me, you won't want to return them. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S.com, and enter FEMALS, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, to get your new favorite flats and free shipping. It's really a no-brainer. Shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable, and free shipping. Yep, you got to go get yourself a pair today. Rothy's.com with the promo females to get that deal while it lasts. All right, now let's get back to the show. Specifically, what is Bar 3 for someone who's never heard of it? And how did it disrupt the group fitness experience? Because as you said, you were teaching, uh, I think you said Bar Method, and you wanted to turn up the volume. So how did you disrupt that? It was the daily method. Oh, daily um, method. But, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. To give a big shout out to the daily method. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, bar method's amazing. Pure bar is amazing. Uh, Physique 57 is amazing. Core fusion is amazing. I didn't know that this was going to be such a huge movement bar, mm-hmm. but it ended up being a huge movement. And interestingly, for your listeners, every single founder of a bar concept is a badass woman. I love that. <laughs> so I'm all about, you know, ri- raising, rising together and, and really celebrating my competitors. Um, so, uh, bar three is a class. It's a full body balanced workout and we combine strength conditioning with cardio and mindfulness all in one. And what really sets bar three apart and what I love the most about bar three to this day is that we go beyond balancing the body. What we are laser focused on in every class is creating an environment where people can truly be empowered from within versus the pressure to conform and to move 
your body or feel like your body needs to look a certain way mm-hmm. to get there, to, be, to reach success. Mm-hmm. My premise going into bar three, and it still is today, is that fitness fails most of us. Most of us feel guilt, depression, disappointment, failure, frustration, low self-esteem around fitness because we're striving for perfection or an ideal. And a lot of the group exercise classes that I would go to were about conforming and felt like everybody was the same Mm -hmm. versus really celebrating diversity. Interesting. How do you do that in a class? I'm just kind of curious, like, is it, you know, being careful about we use these type of words and not those words? Is it the way the studio looks, especially with the boutique fitness industry? Because sometimes I think that people, you know, very much, as you mentioned, like there's a lot of bar classes, like people find their tribe, right? They find the class that kind of fits like who they are internally and stuff like that. So I'm kind of curious, how do you guys create that so that it's not just the the fitness piece of it? It's the whole body and mind piece of it. Such a good question. It's all of the above. And it starts with language and holding the space in the room for everybody to have full permission to be their own best teacher. Mm -hmm. And we will start class that way often. Hi, my name is Sadie. Welcome to Bar 3. I'm going to guide this experience for the next hour, but your job is to look inside, be empowered, and make it your own. And as we work through the class, I will give postures that are really exciting and challenging. And I'll show all different variations of that posture. And I will celebrate when people decide to be a rebel and take a different shape in their body. So for example, if we're doing sumo squats, which are basically squats and you're hinging from the hips and you're dipping your butt back down and standing all the way up. And it's a really great cardio strength conditioning exercise that we love. But if you're experiencing low back pain, it can just feel horrible. Mm -hmm. And so I will always give the sister posture to that is horse pose, which is an upright position doing basically like a narrow plie, Mm -hmm. which equally taxes the thighs and is equally exhilarating. It's just a different shape and it feels better in your body. And, And so we're constantly showing how to adapt every posture so that it moves you forward in a way that's literally and figuratively, when you take a modification, you're standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that that metaphor is threaded through everything we do. Mm. I actually really love that because you can tell that um, you mentioned being very values-based and ha- making sure that your values were aligned just with, with your family and your life. But also you can tell that it's this is a very authentic piece of you because it's part of your company as well. And I, um, you said bar three was a success right away. Do you ever stop to think like part of the success was that you were doing this purely based off of something that was very authentic to you and not because, for example, you were chasing millions of dollars? I would say 90% of the success is because it was an authentic value of mine. Mm -hmm. 10% is because the boutique industry was starting to boom. Right, right. Well, 90% was authenticity. Well, and you also launched in 2008. I mean, there was a recession. (laughs) I don't know how many people were. 2008, the worst time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a huge accomplishment and big congratulations to you and and your team because you guys have, well, one, as we just said, you launched at not the best time. Um, You had one studio and now you guys have over 130 studios. So I want to know what what's unique about your community approach to franchising and and how you've been able to grow. I mean, I've been to a few different bar three locations and I'm sure you already know this, but like, I feel like I'm getting this, a similar experience. And I would think that franchising, while it's a great business model on paper, in reality, it can get messy really quickly. How have you been able to grow and maintain, you know, as you said, your authenticity and that approach throughout? Well, number one is so much of what we do in class is analogous to how we run our business. Mm -hmm. And I really believe in the idea of being empowered from within. I genuinely, not a lot of people say this in the work environment, but I do. I genuinely love my franchise partners. (laughs) They are amazing, amazing women and a couple of men. Mm -hmm. And they know that. And I think the most important thing for any business in any relationship is that we all proactively make sure that we know that the other person is seen and heard. Mm -hmm. And when you franchise, you're putting your life savings into a brand and into a training and into a approach that you believe in. 
at least in my model, because we're owner operated. Mm -hmm. And I did not take that lightly. My job is to serve my owners and everybody who works for me shares that same passion. We stand up for them. We listen to them. Yes, we debate with them. Yes, we get in fights. Yes, there's a lack of trust sometimes or disenchantment. And we just don't shy away from it. We face it head on. And it's just an absolute priority for us that we have a strong working relationship with each of them and that they know they can trust us to share their ideas, to move our company forward, to be their most courageous selves Mm -hmm. and contributing to what we're all doing. Mm -hmm. And there's specific ways that I'm really thinking about as we move forward with franchising, because I do believe in it. I do think it's a good model. It is hard. And and the thing with franchising is you need to have lots of locations for it to pencil, for to build value in your company. I'm only getting a little bit of royalty from every studio versus if I own them, revenue would be much higher. Right. So it is a volume play. It is how many, you know, is healthy. And that's always a number we question and then working that fine line of, and then being able to make sure that we're seeing and hearing everybody at the same time. And one of the things I'm really focused on with our owners and with my employees here at, at our headquarters is developing a really strong leadership and per- personal development training model that is actually, and this is the sort of disruptive part, untethered to bar three. Mm. Because I'm so inspired by so many amazing women. And one of them is Kim Malik, who is the founder of Salt and Straw. And she said something to me once that just took hold of me. I don't know if you've heard of Salt and Straw. Oh, yes. I'm from Portland. So I've waited in that line too. And we have them in LA and they're just as popular. So if you guys get a Salt and Straw in your city, please go. (laughs) Go because what's wonderful, I ask him, I'm like, your scoopers, your ice cream scoopers are like the most amazing people I've ever met. And they they love their jobs. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you create an environment where people love scooping ice cream <laughs> and so much? I mean, they love it. And one of the things she said is that she trains her team on hospitality and she trains them on hospitality with the intent that they will move outside of salt and straw and they will have that ability to be attentive out in the world beyond her business. So it wasn't, her intent was not just about her profit margin. Right. And that is, sums me up in a nutshell. That's exactly me too. Even Mm -hmm. with bar three, like I want people to come in and learn something about themselves and become more confident at home and safe in their body so that when they take a soul cycle class, they'll take it with even more conviction, you know, like so that they can go hold their kids with grace or um, stand up in front of a room and speak with confidence. I want them to take that learning beyond our studio walls. And that's basically our model with our franchises too. Right. Well, I I love that. And I think you're ahead of the game because as someone who talks to a lot of employers and talks to a lot of, you know, people who are either working at organizations or looking for new jobs within big organizations, career development, personal development, professional development, you know, learning, whatever you want to call it, that that development piece is so, so important, uh, not only to employees, but employers who offer it and are being very progressive about the fact that they recognize, like, I might offer this person this thing that's going to make them a great leader, and then they might leave and become a leader somewhere else. But you can't have the mindset of, like, well, then I'm not going to offer it because there's no guarantee people will stay here forever. And so I really applaud you, and I hope that becomes a trend that we see everywhere because, all as you said, it makes it so that, you know, they become better parents, better friends, better, you know, leaders when they go to the next company. And so it's very progressive viewpoint that you are taking in, obviously, after on, which I think is fantastic. And, and I also think that that will also make people, you know, really just love Bar 3 as a brand. I mean, you, re- I'm sure you know, but like the brand piece of this of, in the Bar 3 story is probably another thing that probably attracts or retains people who exercise there. I don't know if there's any data around that yet, but I mean, you kind of probably know that in your gut. Like if I treat my employees well, you know, it's going to trickle down to other places too, including the consumer. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just not something you can measure necessarily. Right. For, but although sometimes, so one example is I, we voice train our instructors now. Every single instructor goes through voice training. And our, our home office, we are all going through voice training because there are tendencies specifically with women 
that undermine our ability to show up in a way that we want to show up. There's vocal tendencies, including up speak, where we speak our sentences in a question mark versus a a sort of statement. Right. And vocal fry. And there's all these other things. And so we invested in voice training. I hired a voice trainer and we've invested in that. And our class numbers have gone up. Wow. And I am directly relating it to voice because people, it's comforting to have an instructor who's saying, root your feet to the floor. Right. Versus root your feet to the floor. Right. And then we'll grab the ball. You know, I'm kind of exaggerating, but <laughs> it's also a really self-conscious conversation because I'm probably up speaking as, you no, know. No, no. I was actually just thinking about it. I was like, has she done that? No. <laughs> um, no, I, I, you haven't. You've been great. The, it's interesting, too, because the other one, and I mentioned this on one of our episodes this season, is I recently read that if you replace sorry with basically any other word or, you know, there's like a Google Chrome extension that you can put into your email so that it removes when you say, sorry, uh, but, or just, because that's another (gasps) thing women say a lot. Yeah. So there's a hack for everyone. Google Chrome has an extension. So as you write your emails, instead of saying, you know, I'm sorry, I just missed, you know, whatever it would be, you would just basically take out the apology and it would say, I, I missed your call today. Could we reschedule next week? And and it, it's just, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I don't know how much research there is to support this, but you can tell that it comes across as a more confident, direct, non-apologetic way of speaking. And, and it, that does trickle into other areas. So I think that's fantastic. I hope, I, I wish every organization would offer, you know, lessons like that and a coach that, you know, what did you call them? Talking lessons or? Voice coaching. Voice coaching. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it is, it does, we do talk about emails too, how we tend, women tend to pad emails and we're much, we're, we're huge emoji fans, which I still am for the record, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I, there's something to that. I think my husband is, we're business partners still, and his emails are so direct. They're two sentences and and it's just clear. And honestly, when I write a clear statement like that, I've had people come in and say, I'm not sure I understood your tone. Are you mad at me? Yeah. Uh, always, always. I know exactly what you're talking about. I have this one person I work with. He's a guy. I send him a paragraph. He sends me a sentence back. And it's like mm-hmm. every day. But if I sent a sentence, it. I mean, I have actually done that to my team before where I've sent the sentence. And they actually always laugh because they're like, yeah, whenever you send a sentence, we're always like on our toes about it. Or sometimes if you're really busy, I'll put the sentence like as the subject line. That's another one that they're like, were you upset? And it's like, no, I was on an airplane and it was about to take off. And I had you know, I only had internet for another three seconds kind of thing. So it's, it's really, fa- it is really fascinating the the difference in female communication, male communication. The New York Times has actually had a great article with how often women use an explanation point uh, mm-hmm. compared to, to men. So anyway, this conversation, I love this. So we'll have to continue this because it's, it's really fascinating to me, just the, the communication in person, body language, email, et cetera. Hey there, let's take a quick break from today's show so I can tell you about FabFitFun, a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. And yes, you heard that correctly, they are full-size products. I first discovered FabFitFun when we actually featured their company on Career Contessa for being a great workplace for women. And since then, I've been totally hooked on their subscription boxes that come four times a year. It's kind of like Christmas, but times four. For $49.99, you receive a box that always has a value of $200, so that's obviously a pretty good deal. The first time I got my box was in fall of 2018, and I was so impressed with the selection of products, I really couldn't believe it. I was hooked on my Glow Glam Mask and my Can't Live Without Beauty Blender. Coming up next is the Winter Editor's Box, and you'll definitely want to sign up before it sells out because, well, they always sell out. And it has products like a knit throw from Mark and Graham, exfoliating scrub from Kate Somerville, and more. So you can tell they definitely do not mess around with the products. When you sign up, don't forget that you can also customize some of the items in your box as well. And just for our listeners, you can visit fabfitfun.com and use the code FEMALES, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, to save 40% off your first box, making it only $29.99. So again, for $29.99, you're still getting that $200 value. And that's fabfitfun.com and use the code FEMALES, F-E-M-A-I-L-S. And just remember, you deserve to treat yourself. So this is definitely a great way to do it. Okay, now let's get back to the show. 
But I actually want to also talk about something else that you're doing that's very disruptive, including personal development, which is you guys have an online platform. And I really have noticed that there's been a a huge increase in on-demand fitness classes. So Bar 3 has their studios, but you can also subscribe through this online portal. And I know that for you, when you created Bar 3, it was was really important to have the community aspect of it. So with your guys' online offer, I mean, how do you create the online offer to try to be similar to the studio experience or do you, or do you just not even try to make them similar and you just say one's one and the other's this, you know? Really good question. I'm not sure they need to be similar in that there are two different things. For a while there, we were going down that road where we were, we were investigating mirroring the studio experience over and over again online. And then I did some investigation about who's doing these online workouts and what she really needs. And At the center of what we do is we teach people to be balanced in body and empowered from within. That is the most important thing to get across. And what I've learned is my most dedicated online subscribers love to work out in solitude. Mm. And I'm, I'm an introvert myself. My, my husband jokes that I'm a closet introvert because everybody thinks I'm an extrovert, but I get my energy in solitude. And I love group exercise. I love our classes, but there are days when I want to do this on my own terms and you have more permission to make it your own when you're by yourself. You know, you can do your workout in your pajamas. You don't have to wear makeup. You know, you can just be yourself when you're at home. Wear just the sports bra. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. But when we're teaching these classes online, we're really thinking about, we, we even do a little visualization. First of all, we get in a circle because as soon as you get on camera, there's this hyper like self-conscious thing that happens. Mm-hmm. It's like, do I look right? Am I wearing the right outfit? Am I good enough? Am I going to move in the right way that's perfect? And, you know, is my alignment going to be awesome? And there's all the, the inner critic stuff happens. So we as instructors get in a circle and we have a mantra that my power is not in the way I look. My power, my wisdom is in my words and my power is in my words and my ability to connect through that camera to someone. And then we visualize them and we'll say someone in their office, you know, shutting the door with the curtain down, getting a 30 minute workout. Mm -hmm. That woman at home, you know, behind her couch, using it as a ballet bar with her kid in the playpen, play, playpen. Is that what you call them? I think so. Um, (laughs) Um, You know, we really, we think about her and him and now it's kids. Now we're finding out kids are doing this as part of their homeschool program. A lot of men, like the husbands are coming is our joke because men are starting to do it because they feel safer to do it at home. And then we have our, we've figured out, okay, well now how can we connect with these people? And we do that in three main ways. Number one is a lot of our subscribers actually have studios in their community, but they choose to work out in solitude, but they also like the group experience. So pulling them into the studio so they can feel the, the sense of community from time to time. Number two is our comment board. We have a connection board and we post a new workout each week and whoever leads the workout all week long holds a conversation. So you can actually connect and talk with the instructor all week. And then the third way that we're connecting more and more is through our retreat business. We have another one coming in April and there are 100 people retreats. They're big ones. And I'm, I'm leading them. It's sort of my passion project. And a lot of, we're finding a lot of subscribers love that experience because they can come plug in Mm -hmm. to most people who subscribe to us are subscribing to our approach and our philosophy around being at peace with your body just as it is instead of working out to look a different way. Right. And so that kind of movement, like coming together and rallying around those ideas is really exciting for them. Yeah. And I think getting to connect with people who are like-minded in, a, in an experience like that is probably very powerful. I've noticed the marathon world is sort of like this, you know, people, someone and their best friend will train, they live in different states, but they'll go run the marathon in a new city and then they get to explore it. I've noticed that that's kind of that trend um, mm-hmm. with the retreats and, and, and just, I guess, like conferences in general, kind of these, these big events. Well, that's fantastic. We don't have a bar three in Los Angeles. So you've excited me to subscribe (laughs) and join the online experience. Um, What motivates you to get up in the morning and how do you keep innovating your job and company? Because, you know, you've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have a practice of every Sunday I sit down and I visualize each day of the week. And I create like one intention for each day around an activity that I have on my calendar. 
and right now I'm really focused on being fully present with my children, for example. So I look at my calendar and all the moments that I have these little mini opportunities to be present with my kids. And I, I just sort of focus on that every day. Um, like one day it's, I'm going to drive Audrey to school at seven 30 in the morning. And I'm just, you know, just going to really enjoy that moment of being with her in the car. You know, it could be that simple. Right. Or I'm going to fix our favorite lentil soup and really like have my son help me bake the bread. And we're going to make that our Saturday evening activity. So that kind of gets me out of bed because those are the rewards right. for me. Things you're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course there's exciting work stuff too. Like, Ooh, I have my, you know, strategy session this week, which is going to be awesome. Or, um, I teach class on Tuesday mornings, which I really look forward to and just try to focus on gratitude, like just being in business versus trying to move my business somewhere. Yeah. I I was actually just going to say that I really enjoy that. You're essentially everything you just said is very much in the present moment in time versus, you know, the response of, well, we're going to grow this way and we're going to scale that way. And it's really refreshing because I think also for someone who's in business, sometimes it is really, really hard to just enjoy the moment and enjoy the success and kind of let that, I guess, process continue versus feel the need or the rush or the impatienceness of more and more and more, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's just refreshing to hear that. And I mean, you're clearly very balanced, <laughs> so that's fantastic. Um, okay. I'm so not balanced. <laughs> I, I just want that to be on the record. I'm not balanced all the time. I work towards a balanced state, but more importantly, I recognize imbalances in my life without judgment. That's great. And it's more of a practice for me of recognizing imbalances. Mm-hmm. And not shaming myself about right. it. Right. I was going to say, not beating yourself it is, up. It's so hard. We cannot do it all, as you know. We just can't. Right. Well, honestly, that was, it's like, you're, you know, the next question I'm going to ask because I was going to say, <laughs> what's your advice for all the busy women out there who are trying to carve out the time, you know, to, to exercise and, and manage their, their family and, you know, make time to enjoy the 730 carpool ride. But I'm, you kind of just answered it, but is, would there be any other additional advice? It just goes back over and over again to, I think, a diff- what's essential to being alive and happy. And that is a daily practice. And this is what we do in bar three. It's like a 60-minute a time to practice being in the moment and to measuring our success based on our actuals, what yeah. we actually feel like in our inner body and our outer body, observing without judgment and just feeling and being and right. living in that moment. That doesn't mean that we're not striving towards things, but we're not measuring our success based on getting to those things. And that's what I I practice over and over again. And I know this just from studying people. And I studied sociology. I always study people. It's what I do. And the healthiest, happiest people I know are the ones that measure their actuals, their actual achievements in life in that moment, internal and external. And they know that an ideal is a mental construct and that they'll never get there. But it's okay to have because it's motivating, but it's not something that I'm going to judge myself on. And those kinds of people feel satisfaction, confidence, joy, self-esteem, optimism, and they are more about progress versus perfection. Right. It's those of us, and I'm one of these people, I'll raise my hand over and over again, I'm a high performer where I fall in the perfection trap where I am measuring myself, the gap between my actual and getting there. Like, I'm not doing that enough. I'm not, I need to, you know, do these three things so I can be there. And and kind of beating myself up for all the fails along the way or not being enough. Mm-hmm. And so you're just actively practicing trying to... I I was going to say calm that inner voice, but really, um, as you said, like recognize that you have that inner voice and, and be proactive about it. Literally write things down. Like these are the things that I've achieved today. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. Women do not want to say that I've been, we've been, we have a weekly huddle here in the office. It's almost all women. We have like 48 women and two men, (laughs) um, but we stand in a circle and it's stand up strong and proud about what you've achieved. Right. And say it out loud. You know, I'm killing it today. And this is why. Right. We've been so conditioned to sort of diminish that side of ourselves. And I would say on the other side of that coin is also stand up proud about your failures 
and say those out loud with a growth mindset. Because when you have a, a, when you're allowed to recognize imbalance and say it out loud or recognize failure, then that gives you permission to work towards a more balanced state or a more successful state. Right. Uh, so, so many good points here, full of really solid wisdom. This has been fantastic. I really love the approach. And I know that you're not perfect, but you've got the approach. You, you can articulate the approach, and I, I think in a really manageable way. And that's very much appreciated. So we're going to move into rapid fire, which questions are probably what you would assume. Short answers, one word answers. So let's start with you manage the competition by? Loving them. That's great. I, I had a feeling you were going to say something very positive. <laughs> so, And that's a practice. I'm going to be honest. It's a practice. But right. Yes. Uh, a mantra that makes you feel powerful is? Empowered from within. Love that. One thing you're trying to learn or improve right now is? Um, listening skills. Those are always challenging. I, I, I have, I'm, I'm working on the same one because I'm, I've noticed I've been told a few times in the last few months, you're not listening. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, maybe it's me. <laughs> it's Darn it. yeah. yeah, I know. You're like, Ugh, I hate when that happens. Um, how do you plan to disrupt your career in 2019? My own career? Yes. To focus on getting outside of bar three and collaborate with other strategic women and kind of grow outside of my my bar three bubble. I'm sure there's a lot of women who probably just raised their hands that I'm available to collaborate. But I, I love that because I've seen just with Career Contessa, some of the most successful things that we've worked on have been through collaborations and, you know, stepping away from, you know, our career bubble and thinking about it and from a different person's point of view. So, and it's, it's fun. It's fun to collaborate and, you know, partner with other people. So that's fantastic. Well, thank you, Sadie, so much for joining us today. Um, this is, like I said, been full of good moments and great quotes. Like I, there's so many moments where I wrote down the quotes you said. So I'm excited to share this episode and thank you so much again. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Fun. That was Sadie Lincoln, founder of Bar 3 and a woman disrupting the boutique fitness industry. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to The Females and leave us a review. We're so grateful to hear from you, our listeners. And here's what Nancy26 recently said in her iTunes review. The Females is my new go-to show, and I sincerely leave each episode with new takeaways and feeling inspired. This is a must-listen for all career women. Thank you, Nancy. Ready for more smart career advice? Sign up for our free 28-day career kickstart via the link in the show notes or head over to careercontessa.com. You'll get one email a week that includes everything you need to up-level your career. It's free and it can change your life. I'll be back next Tuesday with Caroline Turner, an author and leadership consultant but until then, you can follow us on at Career Contessa on Instagram. Share this episode with your work wives and Instagram community with hashtag the females podcast and listen to this sneak peek of next week's episode. I had to put that down and go, well, I guess I got to speak out and become a spokesperson for women and the value of women. And I became a real mentor and I became a real supporter of there being more women, including the day I walked out the door. I said to the CEO, look, you now have no woman on your senior team. You need three. And here are the women I think you should be working with.